0: Welcome to Rad Reading, a bookish podcast where the R stands for Refresh and the D stands for Discover, and where we try to help you do those two things for your reading life. I'm Ronnie Lauren, a best-selling romance author who likes her reading life to be big on variety and full of complicated characters. And I'm Don Alexander, an indie editor who never met a whodunit she didn't want to solve
1: or an intricate plot she didn't want to untangle. We are two very different readers, but two
0: very good friends who love to talk books. Join us as we tackle reading roadblocks, give our best bookish tips, and of course, recommend all the great reads that have kept us turning the pages that week. Let's get started. Welcome back to Rad Reading. I'm Ronnie. And I'm Dawn. And today we're bringing you books that will transport you. So if you want to get swept away this summer, and we're taking that topic kind of, you know, broadly. So we went way broad with
1: this. <laughs> Some of these places you don't want to be transported to, but that's okay. Or can't
0: be. (laughs) um, But any book that kind of has a travel theme and we'll talk about the different ways we played with that topic. Um, But we have lots of books for you. And um, me and Dawn are going to take turns this time where we're going to talk for a long time because we each have different areas that we really love um, in these types of books. So first... Dawn, do you care about like setting in a book or a book that gives you a sense like you visited somewhere or kind of a sense of place?
1: I love books that give me the feeling that I've gone somewhere because I don't go anywhere. I have not (laughs) traveled very much. I don't even have a passport. Mm -hmm. So I've never been out of the country. So I get kind of fascinated by these books that give me the experience of going someplace else, especially if it's someplace I never want to go. (laughs) Right. <laughs>
0: I just like to sit back and look at it through the window from the safety of my couch and it's fine. So are there particular places you like to visit in your books? Like, do you find yourself going back to the same books set in the same kind of places? I think of all different places. Mm-hmm. I
1: like, you know, checking out books that are set in other countries. And then of course, you know, I love my aliens. So I like other complete other worlds and fantasy worlds. So it's not that I think to myself, oh, I really like books set in Ireland, Mm -hmm. you know, now I will because I have spoken before about my slight obsession with Jane Harper. I will say that I love her books because of the Australian setting. And you just absolutely feel like you're there. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that have happened in her books, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going there. I will stay here (laughs) in Texas. Thank you very much. It's hot enough for me here. I'm good.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't read all of her books, but I did read The Dry, and I remember thinking like she really conveyed that feeling of like the heat. Yes,
1: and the really scary creatures that live there, yes. like in The in the Dry, there's a repeated reference to the spider that's living in the corner of the dude's hotel room that I'm like, Mm-mm. no, well, I'm out. Yeah, I'm 100% out. <laughs> Spiders should not be the size of small raccoons. That's all I've got
0: to say. <laughs> Seen a video of that type of spider, the scary giant spider in Australia. And literally I had the thought I'm never going there. So yes. if you listen to us and y'all are in Australia, reassure us that they don't just like, you don't stumble upon giant, like man-eating right. spiders. just randomly. Everything there doesn't want to kill you, right? right. I mean, not everything. <laughs> so I do have specific setting, settings that I find myself drawn to. I don't know why. Um, I just really love books set in certain places. So I love a New York book. And if a book is set in New York and doesn't give me the New York feeling, then like I'm irritated because New York is such, and you have been to New York. So, cause I've been with you, New York has such a unique vibe and feeling and the lifestyle is just very different, you know, so much with the subways and walking and the neighborhoods being, you know, very distinct and all of that. So I really love a book set in New York. And then I like cold weather places. So I find myself like, New England, the Pacific Northwest, and I think that's literally just because I need to escape the heat here. Like today, it's 103 yes. degrees in June. Like we haven't even gotten to July yet, you guys, and I'm melting because I have to take my dog out like a billion times a day, and I'm it's so hot. <laughs> it's so well, hot. Well, and
1: did you hear we broke some kind of like 111 year record for the hottest day in June or whatever?
0: Yeah, yeah. I was out on that day. It was 112 feels like temperature. Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: I've also mentioned before, I hate ice. I hate snow. I do not like cold weather. I'm fine with my 112 days or 12 degree days, but I do enjoy every now and then curling up with a book of, oh, we're going to go hang out in a cabin where it's snowing. And I'm going (laughs) to pretend like that's what I feel
0: right now. (laughs) Exactly. And then I love college campus books, which if you love a campus novel, I did a whole thing in episode two of all of my campus novel recommendations I love a summer camp book. And I didn't. I only went to summer camp like one week. My summer camps were always day camps, but like those sleepaway camps, I did one week of Girl Scout camp. It was mostly awful because I'm not an outdoorsy person, <laughs> like no air conditioning, no thank you. Um, but I love books set there. And then we discovered in episode 24 that I have this weird attraction to books set in amusement parks. So not sure what that's about, but, you know, and then I also love books set in Italy. I've discovered this year because I've read a couple of those. Ireland's a great setting. Um, and then anything on beaches and cruise ships. If I'm feeling in summary summery mood, I feel like that, you know, I'm drawn to those. So I do like setting, but I don't need it to be like so descriptive that it takes over the book. Like some literary fiction, sometimes I feel like it's 90% setting and then I'm like, yawn. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. I need a little action mixed in with that setting. But today, because we're doing travel, um, I decided that I'm going to talk about my very favorite kind of travel, which is the kind of travel we can't do, at least not yet. (laughs) So So you think. (laughs) right? There's still hope, Um, but it's time travel. So if you've listened to our podcast, I've probably mentioned some time travel or time loop books before. And I have a couple, you know, Older ones that i'll refresh your memory on but i have some new ones that i've been reading because i was preparing for this episode like a good girl (laughs) i actually did my homework this time um, and took books you know from the library that were this specific thing so i love time travel and i love a time loop and when i say time travel i don't mean high science fiction complicated spaceships time travel i mean like you're in a contemporary setting you're having your white wine with your friends and you walk outside and you accidentally enter a wormhole and you end up in 1972. That's the kind of time travel I want.
1: <laughs> it frequently happens when we right. have
0: white wine. And- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Too many white wines, you might feel like you did. But um, so my first recommendation this week is a time loop. Now, for those of you who don't know what that means, time loop means like Groundhog Day. So you're waking up in the same 24 hours usually or the same week or something like that. Um, and this one is called See You Yesterday by Rachel Lynn Solomon. This is, I think it's labeled YA. It's their first year of college, the first literal first day of college. So 18 year old. So if you're not into that you know, age group, this is that. Um, but it is a romance. Two people are caught in the first day that they arrive on campus. So it's the first day of college. They're just meeting their roommates and they have to relive that over and over again. So this is the back cover copy Barrett Bloom is hoping college will be a fresh start after a messy high school experience, but when school begins on September 21st, everything goes wrong. She's humiliated by the know-it-all in her physics class, she botches her interview for the college paper, and at a party that night, she accidentally sets a frat on fire. She panics and flees, and when she realizes her roommate locked her out of their dorm, she falls asleep in the common room. The next morning, Barrett's perplexed to find herself back in her dorm room bed, no longer smelling of ashes and crushed dreams. It's September 21st again. Again. And after a confrontation with Miles, the guy from physics 101, she learns she's not alone. He's been trapped for months. When her attempts to fix her timeline fail, she agrees to work with Miles to find a way out. Soon they're exploring the mysterious underbelly of the university and going on wild romantic adventures. As they start falling for each other, they face the universe's biggest unanswered question yet. What happens to their relationship if they finally make it to tomorrow? Um, so I loved this one so much. It's a really cute cover. So it's like, you know, bright pink and just adorable, but it was a fun and feel good read, but it really did have some serious issues like that it tackled within there. So Barrett, um, the female protagonist, she had a really rough college experience and she had kind of a prom night sexual experience with a guy that I I felt like it was more of like a sexual salty version kind of thing. So trigger warnings for that, but she's been bullied you know she was kind of an outcast so it really topic you know goes to these deeper topics but she's loud she's kind of a mess but she's just endearing like you just like her you're pulling for her like please stop messing you know like she'll say things <laughs> and like get herself in trouble like just calm down um and then the hero miles is he's really like the uptight academic his mom is the physics professor um so it's a little bit of a grumpy sunshine trope but she's grumpy in a different like. She's happy, you know, like bouncy, but grumpy within it. So it's like, she's not pure sunshine. He's, he's grumpy, grumpy. Cause he's like, we need to take this seriously. We need to figure out the physics of this. And she's like, we need to go like do good deeds so that we can like reset our <laughs> timeline. So they go on all kinds of adventures. It's basically, if you were caught in the same day, what would you want to do? Would you go like do crazy stuff that you knew you could get away with? Cause nobody was going to get hurt. Or, you know, and they do some of that. Or would you spend it in the library researching time travel, which is what Miles wants to do? And probably, honestly, that would be me. <laughs> so I'd be no, like, <laughs> And I would be the
1: one who was like, all right, nobody's going to know about this. Right. Let's go have some fun.
0: Right. So I gave this five stars. Um, it is long. It's 432 pages, but it reads really fast. And it made me want to go seek out the author's backlist because she has other books. So that was See You Yesterday by Rachel Lynn Solomon. And then my next one is one of my favorite authors I've mentioned before, but I don't think I've covered this book before I've covered other ones. This is maybe in another life by Taylor Jenkins Reed. So this is more of a parallel universe than time travel. So it still has that same feel of what if one choice makes all a difference, what, which is what I think I'm obsessed with, with this topic is like, you know, that whole butterfly effect thing. If you do this thing, does it change everything? Um, and this kind of gives you that sense of one one decision this character makes so here's the back cover at the age of 29 hannah martin still has no idea what she wants to do with her life she has lived in six different cities and held countless meaningless jobs since graduating college on the heels of leaving yet another city she moves back into her hometown of los angeles and takes up residence in her best friend gabby's guest room shortly after getting back to town they go out to a bar one night and meet up with her high school boyfriend ethan Just after midnight, Gabby asks Hannah if she's ready to go. A moment later, Ethan offers to give her a ride later if she wants to stay. Hannah hesitates. What happens if she leaves with Gabby? What happens if she leaves with Ethan? In concurrent storylines, Hannah lives out the effects of each decision. Quickly, these parallel universes develop into radically different stories with large-scale consequences for Hannah, as well as the people around her. As the two alternate realities run their course, maybe in another life raises questions about fate and true love. Is anything meant to be? How much in our life is determined by chance? And perhaps most compellingly, is there such a thing as a soulmate? Hannah believes there is. And in both worlds, she believes she's found him. So romance, you're going to get, you know, happy, feel good ending. But um, I thought it was really an interesting exercise of like that one decision. Do you stay with the guy that night or do you not? Um, So I, I always think back, do you think through those decisions? Because I know like when I met my husband, it's like, if he hadn't had his account online, if it didn't work, like any little thing could have triggered it. I think we talked about that in a previous episode.
1: We talked about it briefly in a previous episode. And I do, because there was one day my son and I were having a conversation and he is fascinated about the multiverse theory Mm -hmm. and the multiverse theory is that there is several Dawn's and Ronnie's living other lives based on decisions they made in a moment. Yes. And so while we were talking about it, um, I don't remember what had happened. We were in the kitchen and I think maybe I, I had dropped something, like I dropped a bowl and it broke or something like that. And he's explaining this to me and he's like, well, in another universe, the bowl didn't break. Mm-hmm. and so since the bowl didn't break the brownies weren't ruined and since the brownies weren't ruined this didn't happen and it's this whole domino effect and he's explaining this to me like he's explaining the weather <laughs> and then he's like yeah so you know there's just other yous who made different decisions and sometimes they're big decisions and sometimes they're really little decisions and they just you know impact the way things work out and then he just
0: wanders out <laughs> of the kitchen. I'm like, well, thank you for tearing the fabric of my reality. Right. And Well, and also other Dawn gets to eat the brownies, which is not right. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yes. So yes, I do think about that. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. And I do have one. I it's not, I'm not done with it yet. So I can't give you guys a rating, but I'm reading the impossible us by Sarah Lutz. And it is a multiverse book. I had never read. I don't think a multiverse one. And this one is two characters kind of accidentally get each other's email and they start conversing through email and they're like, let's meet. And when they go to meet, they're at the same location. And they're like, I don't see you. Where are you? And they're like, are you playing a joke? You know, I'm here. I'm right under platform 22. And she's like, there is no platform 22. And so eventually they find out that they're living in parallel. It's multiverse. So they're living in parallel universes. So they figure out talking to each other that like in his world um gore got elected so and this is set in england but they're yeah and like he lives in this like much more eco-friendly universe but then they also have things like population control so it's not all good um and then she's in the universe that we're in so they're trying to figure out like how do we get to each other but then they're like well if i exist in this world i must also exist in your world so they try to go find their that person in their own world to see if they have a connection or whatever. So I'm about 60% in. I'm really, really liking it. It was a slow starter. So I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to like this one, but then I was like hooked at like the 25% mark and I've been all in. Um, So it's my first multiverse. So now I have a new area to to like figure out um, in other books in it, but yeah. So I don't know if they're going to end up with each other, if it's going to be a happy ending or anything like that, but yeah, so it's multiverse theory, but Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Go ahead. Did you say the name of that one? Yes, I did. So it is um, the Impossible Us by Sarah Lopes. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But I have a feeling I'm going to really—I will like it by the end if I like it at 65%, unless they really blow the ending. They all die <laughs> or something, you know? If they all die at the end, then no. Um, but yeah, so I'm really liking that one. And then another one with a time loop is not very summary, but if you want to chill out a little bit, it is In a Holidays by Christina Lauren. So it's Park City, Utah at Christmas time. And the time loop is that she the main character keeps reliving the day she arrives for her Christmas trip with her family and her found family. So it's like these families that get together every year. And um, I'll just read the back of her copy because it's always, they do a good job with these. It's easier than me describing it. It's the most wonderful time of the year, but not for Maylin Jones. She's living with her parents, hates her going nowhere job, and has just made a romantic error of epic proportions. But perhaps worst of all, this is the last Christmas May will be at her favorite place in the world, the snowy Utah cabin where she and her family have spent every holiday since she was born, along with two other beloved families. Mentally melting down as she drives away from the cabin for the final time, May throws out what she thinks is a simple plea to the universe. Please show me what will make me happy. The next thing she knows, tires screech and metal collides, everything goes black. But when May gasps awake, She's on an airplane bound for Utah, where she begins the same holiday all over again. With one hilarious disaster after another, sending her back to the plane, May must figure out how to break free of the strange time loop and finally get her true love under the mistletoe. So if you have read Christina Lauren before, you know to expect there's going to be humor, there's going to be a lot of voice, it's romance, they're usually not overly steamy, but they're fun. Um, this was a great one and it, you know, it is a Christmas book, but you can read Christmas books in the summer, you know, there's Christmas in July, (laughs) so, um, you can do that, but that's in a holidays. And then another, this is sort of one person's caught in a time and the other person isn't. So this is one last stop by Casey McQuiston, um, down on her luck, August meets old school punk rocker Jane on the subway and starts to fall for her during her daily commute. Um, but then realizes that the other woman, Jane has been stuck there on the train since the seventies and doesn't realize it. August has to try to figure out how to help Jane break free of her loop. So in this one, I get my New York setting that I love. Plus I get, you know, sort of stuck in time feeling, and it's kind of cool because she's from the seventies. So like, she's really, you know, she thinks the world is still happening out there. That's the seventies. She doesn't realize she's stuck in a loop. Like she's just on the train talking to people every day and like her memory resets or something. Um, this is a lesbian romance. So if you want to add some, you know, LGBTQ reads, um, it is a good one to add. And I did listen to this in audio. So I liked the audio version. Um, it is an open door romance. So there are sexy times on the subway that that was my, cause she can't leave the subway, you guys. Right. But so, so yeah, you. Dawn's making the face that <laughs> I made. Cause I'm like, public place sex already is a little tricky, you know, for me to read about. It has to be a certain situation. And I, so I'm sure I've written them too, but I write them where people aren't going to get caught. Um, but this made me want to get a little bit of Clorox because I've been on the subway. <laughs> like, I kind of don't want to sit down sometimes. On the <laughs> the train. Um, so, but the author had to work with what she had. If you can't right. have the character leave the subway, then you got to figure something out. So it's a fun read. It's a long, it's a pretty thick book. So I feel like time travel books this week, I've been going through my list and trying to read enough for this episode too, that I think there's so much that needs to be explained and like research that they end up being like 450 to 500 page books. So, right.
1: They're usually not short because you've got to build that world.
0: Yeah. And occasionally you'll have one that just doesn't explain the time travel. And that works for me too. One of the ones I'm going to list, um, that we've already talked about is one Italian summer by Rebecca Searle. That's the one where she goes to Italy and her mom is young there. They never really explain the time travel on that. And so it's a shorter book and it was fine. Cause sometimes I'm like, okay, cool. So we get on a plane and Italy is in the seventies or whatever. That's fine. Like I believe it. So if they write it well enough, I don't have to have the whole explanation, but so those are my new ones. And then a quick rundown of ones I have mentioned before, you can go back to previous episodes so that I don't bore you with things you've already listened. Because I know some of you binged the episodes, so you might have just listened to those. I don't want to repeat. But 112263 by Stephen King, um, talk about a long book. So that makes the 500 page ones look short. <laughs> but he goes back in time to try to prevent the Kennedy assassination. Fantastic book, probably one of my favorite books of all time. So it's great. Um, one Italian Summer, I just mentioned. And then Dark Matter by Blake Crouch, with both Don and I have mentioned. Yes. It- Yeah, that one is heavier on the sci-fi aspects and it's more like the parallel universe um, premise. So you have to stick with it. I think he explains it enough for us. You know, we people who don't read a lot of sci-fi, I I was able to catch on. So you too, right? right? Yeah. And you're not overwhelmed
1: with the the science of it. You're like, okay, I want to find out what else
0: is going on. (laughs) I believe you on the science, moving on. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly, (laughs) yeah. Um, and then, of course, the classic Outlander by Diana Galbadon. Um, That mashes up time travel in a Scottish setting, so you get strong sense of place and a historical setting, so you get that history feel. Um, if you haven't read that and you're a romance reader, you, you need, I know Dawn is lowering, lowering her head. <laughs> I have it not is, read it, and I have not watched the show. Oh,
1: at, least watch so the show. <laughs> <laughs> at least watch the show.
0: At least watch the show, because I know you're not a big historical fiction person, so... I'm not surprised you haven't read the very long book. However, you would very much like the show. And he's, I've very, heard. he's very pretty. <laughs>
1: so <laughs> I've heard good things about yes. the show, but I—that that is
0: one of my shames. I have not read Outlander or watched the show. Yeah. All right, so put that on your to watch list. And then when you're doing that, you can also put on your list because I just added a couple of TV shows in case anyone else out there is obsessed with time loops as I am. The Netflix show Russian Doll. So if you love a time loop, they have two seasons now. I just, um, I love the first season. So this is Natasha Lyonne as the main character. And I literally would watch her in anything. She's so fun to like, just her expressions and the way she's she's got a strong voice as an actress is all I can say. Like she's, you can feel her personality coming through in all the roles she plays. Um, so season one was your more traditional time loop. She's stuck on her birthday um, and they keep having to relive that day, her and another guy. And then season two, Me and my husband just binge watched it. I kind of have no idea what happened. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She goes back to her mom's time and is in her mom's body. And then she goes back and she's in her grandmother's body and like Nazi Germany. There's a lot going on. It was entertaining to watch. I don't completely understand all of it, admittedly. But like I said, I'd watch anything with her in it. So I'm glad I watched it. But if anybody has any detailed descriptions of what actually happened, just email me. Let me know. (laughs) Let (laughs) let me know what I watched. Me and my husband. And I think it's, we watched it right before bed because we have to wait for my son to go to bed and we're tired. So I think watching like intricate time stuff, we're like, wait, what the hell is happening? (laughs) Okay. Um, But anyway, good show. That's Russian Doll. And then two movies. um, Happy Death Day is a great horror movie with a time loop time loop premise she keeps dying at the end of, like a killer keeps getting her and she wakes up the next day and it's the beginning of the day um so she's trying to outwit the killer to see like hey, who was trying to kill her and if she can survive the day so if you're a person who doesn't watch a lot of horror movies this is a good starter horror movie it's fun it's kind of horror comedy i watched it with my son who doesn't really like horror movies and he thought it was you know a good movie so that's happy death day And then I recently watched the map of tiny, perfect things on Netflix. That is a YA movie. And as a time loop, it was really cute. I did a detailed um, description of it on my, in my newsletter. So if you want to see my thoughts on it, my newsletter is Ronnie So you can go read full of that and I won't take your time with movies. So Dawn, you had a couple of these. I know you're not obsessed with time loops like I am, but you have some. I am
1: not. I am stunned by how many are out there and that you've read and i have to say you were saying that y'all were watching um russian doll before you go to bed my husband and i have been binge watching stranger things Mm -hmm. which y'all know me i'm a big fat chicken i'm never gonna sleep again and um, we are in season four everybody in our house is at different stages of season four (sighs) like my daughter has seen all of them are out. My son is like on the fourth episode and my husband and I finished the sixth episode and started the seventh. And so we're having all these weird conversations that you can't really, it's like, okay, but did you see this happen yet? Mm -hmm. Did you see that happen? And I did, I knew which episode my son was on and my husband and I are watching in the living room he's in his bedroom and I hear his door fly open <laughs> and bang on his sister's door her door fly open and him be like what and I was like oh he finished the episode okay <laughs> so um yeah that was not really time loop related but but y'all are it's
0: y'all are living on alternate timelines with it so yes we're on all on alternate
1: timelines <laughs> So the two that I was going to suggest on the time loop thing, one is another one that we have mentioned before, which is the Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton, And it's a dark time loop because it was a borderline horror, like not for you, but for me, it was scary. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And it is the main character wakes up in a different body every day and is trying to figure out what's going on. And so it's really good. And then Claudia Blood has the Relic series, which I've mentioned before, the first book in that it's Company Assassin. And it is a complete outer world. They're on a different planet. There's different creatures than what we're used to. And there is, you need to read the first book to understand what's going on. But in um, the second book, a aerobics instructor from the 80s shows up and it's awesome. <laughs> That's great. And so there's people being pulled in and there's a time rift that happens and which is actually, I think the name of the third book. Um, so i strongly suggest that. My mom was an eighties
0: aerobics aerobics instructor. Did she show up?
1: <laughs> I, I totally picture her actually. Um, and in, in case y'all don't know, Ronnie's mom is like
0: super cool and totally cute. And I can, she's still teaching. She's Zumba now, but she teaches Zumba yeah. in her sixties. So yeah, she's pretty great. So. I could totally picture her in her little 80s leg warmers and oh totally of the leg warmers and the little braided headband, you know, that you used and to put around course, your hair. Yes. Yeah, and a full leotard because that's what we used to wear to work out, you know, with stockings, you guys. Yes. We worked out with stockings. Because yes, <laughs> that's, that's comfortable. Right. Although everybody's <laughs> legs looked great. <laughs> so, yes. But, yes. Yeah. So and then so those are my timely books, but Dawn tends to read books that you know escape to another world. So what are your books that you are going to bring us today that you can travel somewhere else? Yes, these were in some, like I said, in our opening, some
1: of these are places you're like, oh, I totally want to go there. And some of those, pla- these are places you're like, oh no, I'm good. <laughs> just stay <laughs> here and observe this from afar. So the first one that I want to talk about is The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley. And this was one I've mentioned it in the other episodes. I was dying to get my hands on it. I totally just like absorbed it as quickly as i could it is it reminded me very much of the movie lucky number 11 that i can't really explain a whole lot about without giving anything away but if you are familiar with that movie it's the same kind of style in that this girl shows up in her brother's apartment in paris she is came from london and he's not there And she had been texting with him right before she she arrived. He sent her the um, address, all that kind of thing. And she gets there and at first she can't get in because he's not answering the buzzer. And then she finds a way in and she gets to his apartment and it's just like he just vanished. Hmm. So the book is several, it's multi POVs and it's one of those that skips back and forth in the timeline a little bit. But the heart of it is, her trying to figure out what happened to her brother, why he's not there and dealing with all of these sketchy people who were all terrible. They're all <laughs> not redeemable at all, but you like her.
0: Okay. I was going to ask that. Do you like her? Because if everybody else yes. is unlikable, but you have somebody to pull for, it can help.
1: Yes. You like her. She's kind of spunky, she has her own issues of why she's in Paris. And so there's very good reasons of why she doesn't immediately go to the police and be like, Hey, I can't find my brother. So it had a twist at the end that I absolutely did not see coming. And I love that because about 60% through, I was like, okay, I totally know what happened here. There was some stuff mentioned in the beginning that, all right, yeah, I should have picked up on that. And then when I got to the end, I was like, Oh, okay." That's nice. I I can I can live with that. So, and it's a really quick read. It has short chapters. It's not a short book, but the mm-hmm. pacing is very fast and the chapters are very short. So, that is the Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley. I highly recommend that one. And then um, I've mentioned one of these before, but the Digital Nomad series by Megan Rowe is there's two books out in the series it's an adventurer's manifesto which i've mentioned before and a dreamer's manifesto and this was just kind of fascinating to me because it is a group of 20 somethings that are going to be digital nomads for a year so they all have jobs where they can work from anywhere so they travel to a different country i think it's every month Mm -hmm. and she gives great descriptions of the country and the culture and there's romance involved in it but there's also this overarching kind of romantic suspense mystery type thing going on that co- carries throughout the whole series. So it really just made you feel like you were there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And some of the places it was like, yes, this would be so much fun. I totally want to go there. And some of the places, you no, I'm, I don't want to <laughs> sleep in that place. No, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm all right. So An Adventurer's Manifesto is about one of the women who has decided that for a year she's going to say yes to everything. Hmm. she's going to say yes to everything that is not clearly a danger to her or illegal Mm -hmm. so she's doing all of these things she normally wouldn't do because she's trying to come out of her shell
0: and it's a lot of fun she read the shonda she she read the shonda rhymes book year of yes or Uh, yes
1: (laughs) yes (laughs) and then a dreamers manifesto is about another girl in the same group that she's a video game person but she is living with ms And so it is still a lot of fun and there's still this great, sweet little romance going on in it, but you also get to see how that impacts her
0: Mm -hmm. and how
1: she has to deal with that and what the implications are for her future. So I highly recommend both of those. And then we get into the Dawn weirdness. (laughs) I just had fun with this. So the book that is one of those of, I just want to watch this from afar is Lawless And it is the Steel Demons Motorcycle Club book one, and it's by Crystal Ash. And obviously my husband rides motorcycles. So I'm okay with (laughs) reading about motorcycle guys. I'm all right with that. But this takes place in a dystopian future. And it's kind of scary the way the dystopian future is laid out because you're like, oh, that could happen. That could totally happen. Let's not go there. The main character graduates from nursing school on the day that it is declared by the new government that women cannot be doctors or nurses. Hmm. So now she has no way to make a living. She's trying to help people because there's battles going on. And so she is traveling around as a medic because she can be a medic, but she can't be a certified nurse. And she ends up at this place that... Is basically a stopover it's kind of like a hotel people stay there they still have access to food they still have women who will entertain people right and they need a medic there to help out with some things and this motorcycle club comes through and she ends up having to go with them hmm. and so there's a little bit of the underground element to it there's a little bit of a crime element to it the only thing that did not work for me on this book is that it is a reverse harem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I have friends who adore those and think they're amazing. They're not my thing.
0: Do you want to give a brief description of what that means for those of uh, you? Sorry. Out there who don't know. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs>
1: um, a reverse harem is that you have one woman and many guys.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And... It's different than a menage because in a menage they're like in a triangle relationship mm-hmm. for lack. Like, I'm I'm explaining this very poorly. <laughs> but in the reverse harem, it is more like I think there's five or six guys.
0: Yeah, that's too many dudes for me to keep track of, like
1: in a book. Yes, in this. <laughs> yeah. Um now I will say in this, because if you do like reverse harem scenes, mm-hmm. you don't really see that in this. Because this is the very first book in the series. Mm -hmm. So I don't want anybody who's like, yes, that's totally my jam to pick it up and be like, really, Dawn? So I'm warning you, it's going to turn into a reverse harem.
0: It's not quite there yet. Gotcha. And then, y'all. Okay. So that sound you just heard is her clapping her hands together (laughs) in glee. (laughs) Because you know how I like my aliens.
1: And I completely. I don't know how I found this book. I was looking on the Kindle Unlimited list, I guess. So the name of this book is Submit and it's the Sky Clan of we're going to say Tauri, Taori, T A O R I series and it's by Tana Stone. And it's got this alien on the front. He's got horns. I mean, bare chest, the whole bit. I absolutely expected this to be like some version of, like, alien BDSM Mm -hmm. with the title being "Submit." Sure. It was not what I expected at all. This is basically Ice Planet Barbarians meets The Hunger Games. Hmm. So you have the main character that, through a series of events, ends up on a planet, they call them Pleasure Planets, ends up on a planet that is set up specifically for these aliens
0: to hunt humans oh god so like the most dangerous game
1: yes yeah so she is and she doesn't quite know what's going on yet because she was kidnapped drugged and all that kind of stuff but then you have the male main character who's an alien and he has horns and he has a tail (laughs) that he uses in quite interesting ways later but his plan his ship got sucked through a wormhole, so time travel. Mm -hmm. He got sucked through a wormhole. He ends up on the same planet, obviously not there to kill her. He's trying to get off the planet, runs into her, shenanigans ensues. Um, But it was actually really good as far as, yes, it's got the alien love part to it, but you were really drawn into, how are they going to get out of this? Right, right. Like the, there was some great tension and great, completely different setting type things.
0: So yes, I loved that one. I love that we have a podcast that they could pull quote a, it has the alien love thing going on, but <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> and I know that Ronnie has yet to forgive me about Ice Planet Barbarians because I did not warn her about the parasite. There is did not
0: <laughs> no parasites, no parasites okay. at all good to know um all right our next books that we're going to go through are see we were really good we had come up with our topic early so that we could like stack our tbr with books that could apply to this episode so we did the best we could getting through as many as we could um but some of them we didn't get either all the way through or we didn't get to yet but i still want to kind of give them a little um shout out on the podcast so that if you really are looking for books in this zone you can go and see you know if this is the kind of book for you so um i've discovered that i have a couple of areas like i said of travel books that i tend to gravitate towards besides the time travel and the first is cruise books so books set on a cruise maybe it's because i'm craving a cruise but um my first one is the unsinkable greta james by jennifer e smith so the premise is an indie rocker has an onstage meltdown that goes viral and then her mom has just died. So suddenly um, she's now gonna accompany her dad on this Alaskan cruise that he was supposed to go on with her mother. Um, but their relationship is a tense one. He doesn't really support her career. And so it's gonna be a father daughter kind of reconciliation story is what I'm guessing with probably some romance mixed in you know, for her. Um, I barely started listening to this one on audio I will say so far it's very um I, I don't think it's gonna be like super angsty or anything. I think it's gonna be a pretty light read. So I don't know if I'm going to continue with it just because of my current mood, but the writing is good. Um, if you like somebody who's a musician, you know, and then it is set on a cruise ship. And I think I also just read a father-daughter story that I'm going, it's gonna be my rad wreck. So I'm still book hungover from that one because it was so good. That this one, I'm not going to end up giving a fair shot if I listen to it now. So I think I need to put this on my shelved shelf, which is not right now. Um, I'm not ready for it right now, but I think it could be a good um, lighthearted summer book if you're looking for that. And then, not lighthearted, um, from Katherine Ryan Howard, she has a cruise book called Distress Signals. So I have not read this one yet. It's on my TBR, but I really liked her books, 56 Days and the Nothing Man. So I figured. If she's released on a cruise book, she's probably going to do okay with that as well. Um, but a woman goes missing on a cruise ship and her boyfriend tries to find her is the basic premise. But I feel like I heard on another podcast and I can't remember which one, but something about if a crime is committed on a cruise, there's no country jurisdiction. So, or it's like far away or something like, so it's very complicated to investigate a murder. So that intrigued me enough that I'm like, I need to read that. Um, and then- Do not become alarmed by Miley Malloy. So the premise of this one is two families go on a cruise um, and at one of the ports, and it's an international cruise, um, their children go missing. So I read some of this. I got it from the library and I read some of it. But the reason the kids go missing, um, and I'm not going to say what that is, wasn't what I was hoping for, which sounds like a horrible statement. I really (laughs) wanted the kids to go missing in this way. So I feel like the book was going to go into more of a interpersonal dynamics between the couples the families on the cruise versus like a thriller investigating how to get the kids back and all like i was looking for the thriller this time right. not unlikable people who don't get along you know kind of snipping at each other about what they did wrong so however a lot of people love this book and I did not read enough of it to tell you if it's, you know, good book, not good book. I'm just, I got to that point. I was like, oh, this is not the type of book I was looking for in this moment. But if you are looking for that, if you like that interpersonal dynamic thing, it might be perfect for you right now. Um, and Dawn, you had one in the kind of this section as well, right? Well, this isn't a cruise. This is just a vacation.
1: And mm-hmm. let me say, I am never going to Mexico after reading this book. <laughs> just we'll throw that out there. This was Girls' Night Out by Liz Fenton and Lisa Stinecki. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I apologize if I ruined your last name. And it's extremely well-written. It is three best friends that have been best friends since college. And they've all kind of gone through some things where their relationship's kind of rocky right now. Lots and lots of issues for all of them. And they decide to take a girls' trip to Mexico. And the book starts with one of the girls waking up on the beach. She's completely alone. She doesn't remember what happened and they can't find her friend. Mm. And so it's a mystery because the third girl is in her hotel room. Okay. Why weren't you with them? Why was she alone on the beach? Where is the friend? What about this other person that they've been interacting with? And it's told back and forth through multiple POVs. I listened to this one on audio and I really liked the the narrator did a great job with it. Mm -hmm. And as I said, it's written very, very well. The only thing I didn't care for it was the ending. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to give anything away because as I said, it is a really good ride until you get to that ending. And I know there are some people who would love the twist at the end. I didn't care for it. And that's yeah. all I will say about it. If you want more information about it, you can hit me up on social media. I will totally tell you why I didn't care for it. I would absolutely read other books by this writing team because like I said, the writing was done really well and the ending is a twist that you don't expect. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the twist I wanted it to be.
0: Right, <laughs> Same thing like with, with the one I just said, it wasn't how I wanted it to go. So we're bossy sometimes. Writers being readers, can we can yes. want to rewrite the book the way we would have written it. Um, so, but good job on listening to fiction on audio. I know that's like a new thing for you. So I had to clean my entire house from top to bottom (laughs) Mm -hmm. for
1: reasons. And so, yes, I was listening to that as I was scrubbing floors and all that
0: kind of stuff. So I enjoyed it. It, The narrator did a great job. Good. And that one has a great cover. I remember that cover, like it stood out. So, um, and then my next ones are my weird, you know, affection for summer camp and amusement park books. I started listening to Hide by Kirsten White. This is horror um, at an amusement park. It seems like a lot of the amusement park books are horror. (laughs) They're terrifying places. Right. Um, But 14 contestants have to play a high stakes hide and seek game in an abandoned amusement park for a cash prize. So that's the basic premise. It's a really creepy cover if you go look for it. But um, I've listened to about half of it. It is labeled adult fiction. However, as an adult horror reader, this feels more YA horror to me. And Kirsten White is a YA author. So that's where she's coming from. So it might just be her voice is just, you know, sounds more YA to me. Um, But it's not terribly scary. Now to Dawn, I think it might be more scary (laughs) because you got to realize like, it's just like spicy food, right? So if you usually eat really spicy food, things aren't that spicy to you. But if Dawn goes and puts sriracha on her, you know, food, it's going to light her on fire. So it's the same kind of thing with horror. Um, But you find out like pretty early on, or you get the impression pretty early on that this high stakes hide and seek at this abandoned amusement park, they're supposed to get like a cash prize, but there's obviously something more sinister going on. Um, And it's got a supernatural element to it. So I like giving people that knowledge for books like this, because if you're going in for a thriller, like, you know people are hunting them or something like that it's it's different it's a supernatural element so i haven't finished it um like i said it's a little more ya and a little lighter on the horror than i was hoping for but it's well written so um that is hide by kirsten white and then a summer camp set one called the counselors by jessica goodman this one has a great cover it's like a red bathing suit with like blood splashed and it's, it's a really cool cover Um, but it's a ya murder mystery set at a summer camp I've only listened on audio to a little bit of this one and okay. So my empathy or something like went a little high on this one because on your Libby app for the library, if you have Libby, it tells you how many people are waiting for something. So in usually if I have a new release, it's like one or two people are waiting. Okay, great, fine. They can wait. It's not going to be that long. But on this one, there were 17 people waiting and and it's, yeah it's a YA book and it's summer and teens are. if teens want to read, <laughs> I want to encourage that. So I'm like, I do not want to be holding onto this book for 21 days while some teenager is waiting for it. So I listened to a little bit and then I was like, I'll just wait and return it. And I'll come back to it later when it's not as hot of a book um, so that those teens can read it from the library. Because my my teen self would have been really pissed off if some adult was hogging the YA <laughs> books when I was in summer. Um, so that's The Counselors by Jessica Goodman. But if you like kind of that sleep away camp feeling there's, you know, going to be, somebody has died. It's a mystery element of figuring out what happened. Um, so, and then this one I actually bought, so I did not have to worry about library holds or anything, but this is also another horror because amusement parks and camps are scary. Um, it's called camp. So-and-so by Mary McCoy, and it's a different kind of book. So I'm just going to read the back cover because it'd be too hard to explain, but 25 campers, five cabins, one very dangerous summer camp. Cabin one must face off against their ultimate rivals, the posh campers across the lake who may be more dangerous than they seem. Cabin two is being stalked by a murderous former camper. Cabin three sets off on a quest to break an age-old curse. Cabin four will meet their soulmates who also pose a deadly threat. And cabin five, well, it might already be too late for cabin five. This is no ordinary camp. Survival will require courage, cunning, and perhaps even magic. And the hot dogs are terrible. Um, So (laughs) Dawn's
1: I don't want to know what's in those hot dogs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, and when you open the book, it has like act one, act two, almost like cinematically for each cabin. And if you read through those premises, it's like being stalked by a former camper. It's like, we're going to do like a Friday the 13th premise here. And we're going to do a Hunger Games one in this first one. So it's some sort of, you know, experimental kind of fiction, but reviews say it's weird. But awesome in that it twists tropes on their head. So I'm looking forward to it. It looks really different and cool and weird books can go one way or the other for me like I like some really strange things, but if it's too weird and I can't follow a plot, then I'm out. Um, But I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be different and it's really hard to find good horror like like 80s horror, you know, so like camp to me is like 80s horror. Horror is very more, much more sophisticated now than it was when we were reading or watching it. Um, and I kind of like that old school feel. So that is Camp So-and-So by Mary McCoy. I will report back if I read it and have feelings about it. So what about you, Dawn? So never going to Mexico,
1: never going to summer camp. <laughs> um, I have a very traumatic story about the movie Friday the 13th when mm-hmm. I was very, very young. I don't remember when that movie came out, but it was way before I should have been watching it. Right. And I was at a friend's house and her older sister, who was supposed to be paying attention to us, and her boyfriend were sitting on the couch watching that movie. Mm -hmm. And it was at the very, very end. And the boyfriend, who I hope is bald and missing all of his teeth right now, (laughs) told me and my friend that we needed to get really close to the TV And see something really cool that was
0: about to happen. That's just wrong.
1: (laughs) And so if you were familiar with Friday the 13th, the girl is in the boat on the lake. She's motioning to the police officer on the side. And I had no idea what the movie was about. I thought this girl just really looks like she's had a bad day. And then something really bad happens. And that's not something you should tell small children to get close to the TV about. I'm just saying. (laughs) So I will not be reading camp (laughs) so-and-so. That will come from Ronnie.
0: That was camp no and no for her.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So I think it's funny. You've got all these horror recommendations. Um, Mine's called The Summer Job by Lizzie (laughs) Dent. And it takes place in Scotland. And I've started, I'm about 25% into this. I'm loving her voice. I'm planning on reading the rest of it this week. But it is a girl who, her best friend is a wine expert.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I know there's a fancy word for that. Smollier. <laughs> yes. I'm just going to go with wine expert. <laughs> so her best friend is a wine expert and she's supposed to be working at this inn in Scotland for the summer. It's supposed to be this really rundown place in the middle of nowhere. And the friend bails on the job.
0: Hmm.
1: And so the main character through a series of odd events, ends up going and pretending to be her best friend. Hmm. Because it's supposed to be this really run down place that nobody ever visits. And they're not going to know that she really doesn't know anything about wine. And she gets there and they've hired like this super fancy chef who's making (laughs) this amazing menu and he wants her opinions on things. And so it just looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm planning Mm -hmm. on finishing that this week. And then the one that I am dying to read that I just haven't gotten to yet is Breathless by Amy McCulloch.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it is about a journalist and I'm just gonna read the back cover copy. Journalist Cecily Wong is in over her head She's come to the eighth highest peak in the world to interview internationally famous mountaineer Charles McVeigh on the last leg of a record-breaking series of summits. She has given up everything for the story, her boyfriend, her life savings, the peace she'd made with her climbing failures in the past, but it is a career-making opportunity that can finally put her life back on track. But when one climber dies in what everyone assumes is a freak accident, she fears the expedition is in danger, and by the time a second climber dies, it's too late to turn back stranded on a mountain in one of the most remote regions of the world she'll have to battle more than the elements in a harrowing fight for survival against a killer who is picking them off one by one Hmm. so this is my kind of horror Mm -hmm. that i can justify because a lot of things are going to have to go wrong in my life for me to end up on some mountain (laughs) where people are taking us out one by one but i'm really excited to read it so when I get to it, I report back on it. I've started, I read these sample pages and was like, yes, I need, I need this in my life.
0: I just started listening to a true crime that I'm not going to mention the title in case I bring it to a further, further episode or a future episode, but it's people were murdered camping. And I had the same thought of like, well, I'll never be caught camping. So <laughs> I can listen to this and not freak myself <laughs> out too much. Like, I'm not going to go you know, out in the wilderness, but okay. So those are our recommendations and our list that we are hoping to read soon. Um, Next, we have what we have every week, which is our Rad Reading Recs of the Week. These are our books that we are are like favorite favorites that we want to put on our main list. You can find the whole list on our website. We'll put all the links in the show notes. Um, But Dawn, what is your Rad Reading Rec for the week?
1: So I went a little bit different with this because I was still on our travel, going to other places type theme and so mine is your guide to not getting murdered in a quaint English village by Maureen Johnson and Jay Cooper and it is this cute little I think you gave it to me for Christmas Mm -hmm. it is Mm -hmm. this cute little um red hardback book that has these adorable little illustrations in it and all of these friendly tips and tricks of how not to get murdered (laughs) when you go into a quaint English village And so it starts off just to give you an idea of the style. It's got a note to the reader and it talks about how you finally got your trip to London. You finally are, you're going to see all the touristy things and sit in a pub. And then it says, the author respectfully suggests you put aside these fantasies. It is possible that you will find yourself in a placid, tedious little corner of England. And it it's also just as possible you will end up in an English murder village. <laughs> you will not know you are in a murder village, as they look like all the other villages. And when you arrive in shrimpling or pickles in the wood or wombat on the sea or wherever it is, there will be no immediate signs of danger. This is exactly the problem. You are already in the trap. My advice? Stick to urban areas, do not go to the countryside, dispose of this book and continue on with your life. If you insist on pursuing this course of action, commit the following information to memory and they help you stay alive if anything can. Respectfully yours, the author. And there's all these things about like the people that you meet and the vicar is definitely going to murder you. And if anyone asks if you want to see the vat of wine, do not because they're going to drown you in it. So it's a fun, cute little... There's no story. It is a how-to field
0: guide. Yeah, it's a little gift book. So if you have friends, like I gave it to Dawn as a gift, but if you have friends who read cozy mysteries, or you know, even not cozy mysteries that are set in England, there's always kind of some tropes in there of you know, yes, that, that will get you murdered. So yeah, but I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. Um, My rec this week is on theme as well, so it's another time travel book, um, and. I had two five star reads also because the one I talked about the YA I talked about this time or not see you yesterday was five stars. This was like five plus plus. Like I loved it so much. Um, it is This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub and it's everywhere right now. So if you, it's very popular. So if you do your library thing, you need to get on the list now. <laughs> like the list <laughs> is going to be long. Um, I listened to this one. No, yeah, did I listen to this one? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay, sorry it has been a lot of reading this week. So I did listen to this one, but it's adult contemporary and I'll give you um, the back cover copy on the eve of her 40th birthday. Alice's life. Isn't terrible. She likes her job, even if it isn't exactly the one she expected. She's happy with her apartment, her romantic status, her independence, and she adores her lifelong best friend, but her father is ailing and it feels to her as if something is missing. When she wakes up the next morning, she finds herself back in 1996, reliving her 16th birthday but it isn't just her adolescent body that shocks her or seeing her high school crush. It's her dad, the vital charming 40 something version of her father with whom she's reunited now armed with a new perspective on her own life and his some past events take on new meaning. Is there anything that she would change if she could? Um, So what I, one thing I loved about this and probably why I connected with it is she travels back to 1996 and she's 16. I was 16 in 1996. So like it was exactly my age range. And so some of the like, references she had, like loves baby soft (laughs) perfume. I was like, Oh my God, I completely forgot that existed. (laughs) You know? Um, But what's interesting about this one is so her dad's sick in current time and she's got this close relationship with him, but he's like nonverbal right now. Like he's so sick that he can't talk to her. Um, So when she goes back, she can talk to her dad again. And so there's something really, you know, touching about it. And I, I, like that when she goes back at 16 she has her 16 year old feelings like she can access them but she's still her 40 year old self in the body so i liked how she did that because sometimes you go back and you're like you're 16 she's not so she's got the adult thoughts um and her dad is a time travel author so i thought this was a really interesting element because there's this great scene because the day she goes back to her dad goes to a writing conference and it's like sci-fi time traveling writers so she, she goes and finds her dad and one of, cause she can go back just for 24. I don't even know if it's 24 hours by the end of the night, she's back in her 40 year old self. So she has to oops, hit my microphone. Um, she has to go back and get whatever she's going to get done in a very limited amount of time. So in one of them, she goes and follows her dad to this conference and she meet, like meets up with his friends who are all these time travel guys and nerdy sci-fi authors. And she's like, okay, tell me all of your time travel theories and multiverse and all that. Like just tell me wormholes. Let's talk about it. Not telling him, not telling them why, obviously, but she's trying to figure out the science of what is happening. So I thought that was like a really clever way to cover the science stuff in a contemporary without it like seeming very clunky. Um, and they were, and you can just picture all these like, you know, men and women who love time travel, just like, oh, and there's this one, like your son, right. you know, like <laughs> we could be in a multiverse or you could be doing this, but ultimately it's a love story between a daughter and her dad. And If, you know, I talked about One Italian Summer in a previous episode, that was kind of a love story between a daughter and her mom. So this is a good pairing with it, but I like this one even more. It was so well done. And so like the language was so beautiful. I've never read Emma Straub before, but it made me want to go like buy all of her books. And I pulled a quote just because I loved it so much. And now this quote might not resonate as much if you're not a writer, but she says, and this is the quote, Alice loved her father's book. Books. She wished there were more of them to read, hidden in a box somewhere. It didn't matter if they were published or if no one else had read them. It was better than a diary because there was nothing that could make her cringe, nothing that felt inappropriate for her to see. People were allowed to have privacy, even parents. But in Leonard's books, his books, Alice could find little messages. Sometimes it was as simple as a description of a meal that she knew Leonard himself liked to eat, fried eggs left alone in the pan long enough to turn brown and crispy at the edges, or a mention of the kinks. They were all tiny little parts of him preserved forever, molecules that had rearranged themselves into words on a page, but Alice could see them for what they were, which was her father. So Aww, I know, right? So it made me think as a writer, like I am in my books. Like I don't write autobiography. The, you know, I'm definitely not having, you know, menage relationships on a ranch somewhere. <laughs> Sadly, no. <laughs> but there are parts in my books that if somebody who knows me reads my books, if Dawn reads my books, she's going to like pick up little jokes I say or pop cultural references or foods that I like or whatever. Like, so I I was thinking forward, like one day if I'm not here, when I'm not here, my son could pick up my books and he'll be able to find pieces of me in my book. And that just like, it, it was a touching. So sweet. Yeah. I loved that. So, um, I definitely recommend this in audio. I did end up buying a print copy as well to have on my shelf because I liked it that much. So that's that's like the test, you guys. If I get it from the library and I read it or listen to it and I must have a copy for my shelves, that means it's like the top, top. So that is This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. Wow, we had a lot of books today, Dawn.
1: (laughs) We did. And all of these will be in the show notes. You can find that at radreadingpodcast.com. Because Ronnie puts all of that together for us and has all the links there. So
0: you can just keep building that TBR. Yes. And join us next time. We're going to have a guest next time. we were not going to say the guest names just in case we're scheduling, switching things around. But um, we're trying to bring more people in. We have other kinds of perspectives and different book recommendations for you guys to keep the variety. Um, But until next time, we hope that every book you pick up is rad reading. Thanks, you guys. Bye. Bye.